Welcome to Cellmates. Oh, uh, welcome to Cellmates. Welcome. My name is Kate hey. Phillips. I'm Dick Ward. And we are a podcast that takes two animated movies and we compare, contrast, generally throw them into a Venn diagram and see what shakes out. Uh, I am the only one drinking today out of one, two, three of us. What? what, what? Hi, Sarah. Hi, Kate. <laughs> Hi, Dick. Hello. Hello. Uh, friend of the show, Sarah Evans, is on today uh, to talk with us about uh, these two movies today. So, unfortunately, she is uh, not in the same uh, city or apartment as we are. Even if she was in the same city, <laughs> we couldn't be in the same apartment because uh, quarantine. Thanks uh, for catching us up. Yeah. <laughs> this is the news from Kate today. You could be <laughs> listening to this podcast very far in the future. Who knows? Um. So yeah, I'm the only one with the drink. Uh, Dick's Dick's got a nice drink of Dayquil going today, mm-hmm. which means I did a gonna, shot though. Yep, it's going to so be a cool. very interesting podcast. But my drink is uh, a twist on the old fashioned, which is a drink I know and love. Um, but I wanted to like change it up a little bit and make it different. And wait, when I, did you make that? Yeah, I forgot about it and then made it like two minutes before. We started the podcast, <laughs> ah. uh, so I didn't have time to like test it or make sure it was the right proportions. I'm actually ah. pretty pleased with what came out, though. So, oh, so it's so. How is that like the movies we watched? Well, normally, normally our drinks have something to do with the movies we watched. They sure do. <laughs> uh, today we are doing two movies that are based on incredibly popular first movies, two sequels, in fact. Um, And they both had some uh, timing and deadline issues. Um, We are talking about Toy Story 2 and Frozen 2. Mm. And uh, yeah, 20 years apart. Is that like insane that Toy Story 2 is 20 years old? I don't know. It just seems old. I think that means we're old. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, But Frozen 2, not that old, just came out uh, last year in 2019. And we all we all saw that together, didn't we? We did. Yeah. And second to last movie I saw in theaters, guys. (laughs) Back in theaters, I think. What was the last one that you saw? Knives Out, which feels very appropriate. Okay. I think, nice. unfortunately, it was was it cats for us, Dick. Uh, fortunately, it was for- cats. For <laughs> fortunately, twenty twenty kicked off with cats. Oh boy! Oh yeah, Knives Out would be good in the theater. We saw it mm-hmm. at home, but that would be fun. Um, all right. So uh, I'll just throw out before. I mean, we're going to summarize each of these movies. We're going to talk about them at length, but some general just uh, yeah. The free association. Yeah. Why are we doing these two movies together? Dick, Sarah. They both got a two at the end. That That's absolutely true. And they both have a name of a different movie before the two. Interesting. <laughs> They're both, we said, are rescue missions where people need to go find other people for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they, they're both... I mean, they are sequels of extremely popular 
movies that gave their respective companies, I would say, like a big boost at the time. For Pixar, Mm -hmm. it's their very first movie is Toy Story. And for Disney, Frozen kind of reboots the animated musical, um, or at least the energy behind new animated musicals for their company um, in a way that Tangled, which I love, kind of made an attempt, but Frozen was the one to just go bonkers uh, into the zeitgeist. Exactly. Yep. Um, Here's a – wait, hold on. I got this. You ready, Kate? This Uh is going to blow your mind. Tangled is the Oliver and Company to Frozen's Little Mermaid. Whoa. Boom. All right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Oliver and Company I like too. That's not a bad – I'll take that. No. Like it's it's pretty good, but it didn't it didn't do the thing the next movie did. Yeah. Um so both these sequels highly anticipated because their initial movies are such box office hits and just kind of cultural phenomenons, uh lots of merchandising and lots of mm-hmm. just buzz around the 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 movie in general. So they're both highly anticipated sequels and um both of them end up having a release date set in stone because now it's everyone's looking forward to this. And um, very close to the movie being released, the movies were not done yet, both of these. Um, and oh, no. they both spun different directions as a result of that uh, that pressure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at least in our opinions, which of course are <laughs> our own. And, um, Correct. Correct. So let's start with Toy Story 2 being that it came first. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, what is your background with Toy Story 2 or the Toy Story franchise in general? I definitely saw the first three growing up probably in theaters. As I as I watched number two, I realized that I remembered more of it than I thought I did. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure if I've maybe seen it again sometime in the last 20 years. Uh, but I haven't seen the fourth one yet. And what I remember the most strongly about the third one is I think it came out well, do you remember off the top of your head what year it came out? Around 2009-10. Okay, so I think I it think. was probably 2010 because that's the year that I graduated from college. And so what I remember about Toy Story 3 is crying a lot in it because <laughs> that sense of leaving childhood behind, which I think was was a big part of the third one, at least that's my remember my memory of it because if I remember correctly, that's when the toys kind of go off to the daycare center and say goodbye to their their original owner Mm -hmm. um that hit me really hard at age 22 graduating from college so the second the the first movie i was obviously very much a child and and remember watching with my family and the second movie i remember but don't have the context of of when i saw it but the third Mm -hmm. one i have this visceral memory of oh that was a big deal for me yeah yeah we still have not seen the fourth one that'll be that'll be another episode no, we watched some Forky shorts, though. So <laughs> we did. Great. I heard they were good. Is that is that some frozen mm. ice cream in the background, Sarah? That some is fe- appropriately it's themed. My, it's not my ice cream, unfortunately. <laughs> I really, I really probably should have got my own bowl just in time for what we talk about. I mean, it's them- <laughs> it's thematically appropriate, but it's yeah, and like spo- spoony. Maybe we'll be in Toy Story Five. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Well, uh, speaking of Kate, speaking of thematically appropriate. Uh, if I can skip quickly to Frozen, one of the times I saw Frozen, I saw it in the theater, I think, with my family, but then I also saw it with you when you had a Frozen t- 
dinner party. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, we oh we will talk about that. That's great. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, oh boy, uh, Dick. Toy Story two. Toy Story. We we have done Frozen one on this podcast, but we have not done Toy Story on this podcast. So we're doing is a that, little bit of a. Is that actually true? Choice. Dick Boyd, we recorded a Toy Story episode, but we thought oh, it was we crap, hated it. so we yeah. did not. <laughs> we did not air it. <laughs> Oh, good job. Maybe us. you should maybe you should watch it again when you watch four and talk about them together. I mean, we've we'll talked we've yeah, we, we, yeah, there's a lot of possibilities. So for Toy Toy Story 2, um I, I saw Toy Story for sure in theaters. I saw Toy Story 3 for sure in theaters. Toy Story 2, like as we were watching it, I was like I don't know if I've seen this whole thing. <laughs> uh I I was pretty confident that I had seen it, and as the uh, as the Dimitri Martin joke goes, Toy Story Two was okay, um, but I I don't think I have because I don't remember <laughs> the ending at all. Hmm. So this may have been my first time. Um, avid listeners will know uh, I am pretty mixed on the Toy Story franchise. Uh, I think the first movie is. A really interesting proof of concept. Mm. Um, and the third movie I think is really strong. Um, but the, 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 it was, it was cool to watch the second one. Yeah. Yeah. It's Kate, amazing. What about, what about you? Did you see this? Sorry. Definitely ahead. saw it in theaters. I was going to say it's amazing that this was Pixar's third movie. It is Toy Story, Bugs Life, and then Toy Story 2. Like, they put out a sequel before a third original story, which yeah. is a so little bit weird. insane. And it's only four years later. Like they make this whole movie in four years where Toy Story is in development for longer than that. Well, um, though, this mm-hmm. was supposed to be a straight to video release. Yeah, straight to video. And for a time, there was talk of it being animated in 2D Whoa. to make it go quicker. Mm. Yeah, it went through it, – it's – Really fascinating. I, I know that we'll talk about both these movies in terms of their development to actual production, but really fascinating. This went through a couple of different changes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for sure, I saw this in theaters maybe multiple times. Um, I remember, I think this is the first movie Toy Story or Pixar started doing bloopers at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I remember a lot. Um, for me, Toy Story 2 and 3 get really fuzzily intertwined in my brain. (laughs) And so I appreciated watching it this time because it's like, oh, okay, I can separate them now. Like, I was Mm -hmm. convinced there was an incinerator in both movies. (laughs) Oh, no. There is not. You really were, yeah. I think the conveyor belts in this movie Mm -hmm. get me confused because the incinerator has a conveyor belt in the third movie. Sorry, spoilers. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) You might have been confusing them with the uh, recycling from Ugly Dolls. Yeah, like Ugly Dolls has that too. So, and there's some, again, spoiler, there's some parallels between um, the the toy antagonist in this movie and the toy antagonist in Toy Story 3 in terms of like their motivation. Mm. Um, so that's also, and I've heard that Toy Story 4 is similar in that respect too, that they like to change a little bit in each sequel, but the sequels are much more similar to each other than uh, maybe they could be. Um, but yeah, like I... I did remember all of this movie. Again, it's just like separating out what was two and three, but I very much remember this movie. 
uh, had a lot of really good laughs. It's really clever, like it's just really cleverly structured and put together. Um, yeah, I, I, it was a delight to rewatch. Agreed. All right. Agreed. Uh, Dick, I have down that you are summarizing oh, this movie, which will be yeah. really fun on on Dayquil, I'd imagine. This is yeah. going to either go really well or really poorly, and also, I can't wait. Uh, eagle-eared listeners will notice uh, that I am using a uh, mechanical keyboard to look up Toy Story <laughs> 2 <laughs> on Wikipedia. Well, you should know uh, most of the character names. They're uh, now in four right? movies, so... <laughs> Uh, you know what? I'm going to be honest. I, I did not remember Jesse's name. That's mm. the that's the name that was just missing. Yeah. Did you remember she was Joan Cusack though? Because I did not. I I did not know until Kate told me. I was a. I mean, I was a Disney voice uh, scholar mm. in mm-hmm. in my youth and continue to be for at least the movies I saw in my youth. <laughs> so yes, I I did not forget that. All these voice actors are really good. All right, Dick, let's let me know when you're ready and I'll start the cookie timer. Oh, you kidding me? I was born ready. All right. And do you want me to call out numbers at you since I usually show you the timer and how much time you have? No, I just want to hear the timer. Great. And go. Okay. So um, there's toys, there's a story about them. Um, Woody, oh my God, hold on. Wait, start the timer again. What? I'm sorry. (laughs) Did you forget the. The space Are you looking at the wrong Wikipedia page? No, I was about to do the plot of the first movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is going to be a rough one, y'all. All right. We will right, start we again. Are you ready? <clears throat> yeah. All right. And Go. Okay, so uh, all the toys from the Toy Story movie are like hanging out and they're friends, but Woody gets hurt. His like arm gets torn or something somehow, I think playing with him. Uh, and uh, he gets shelved, which means he gets put on a shelf and like kind of forgotten about. And Andy goes to cowboy camp without him. And up there, Woody meets Wheezy, who's a penguin. And he's like, hey, penguin, what's up? And the penguin's like, I'm broken. Anyway, uh, the penguin guy, Wheezy, gets uh, put out into a yard sale. And Woody's like, whoa, we can't let this penguin guy get sold, which is weird. Um, so Woody hijacks the dog there's a dog uh woody hijacks the dog and goes uh to the yard sale and rescues the penguin but oh no woody gets seen by uh the guy from jurassic park and uh oh my god and and the guy from jurassic park uh his name is al and he's uh he owns a toy barn and he steals woody because he his mom won't sell him and then he's going to sell Woody and all these other toys to a Tokyo museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a guy named Sticky Pete. He's a prospector. And there's a lady named Jessie. She's a Jessie. And there's a, uh, a horse. And they are all um, like, oh, hey, Woody, you're f- you're a famous thing. And he's like, what? What's what's I'm a what? And he's like, no, he's watched. You were on this TV show and you might be from the 50s. It's really unclear how old you are as a doll. And Woody's like, OK, cool. We'll go to Japan. Meanwhile, all the other toys are like, yeah, we're going to rescue you. Um, and they do. And <laughs> um, <laughs> they go into the toy store and <laughs> um, the they go in cones 
<laughs> cookies are done. Cookies are done. Okay. You did. I'm pretty you, sure. You pulled a Kate with this one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I explained that really well. So you said they saved him. That's all we needed. That, there See? you go. <laughs> Wait. What, okay. So the they uh, let me. I'm going to try and finish this yep. plot. So the toy Woody. Okay. So Woody wants to go home, but he can't go home because if he goes home, the other toys won't go to the museum and they'll be in storage, which is like death kind of. And <laughs> then the stinky Pete kidnaps Woody and they try and take him, But then like the gang rescues Woody and Jesse and the end. Well, I think you forgot the most important part where Stinky Pete punches Buzz in the face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or that Stinky that was, Pete gets adopted by a little girl who's definitely going to draw all over him. She's an yeah, artist. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> no, that, that punch might be my scene shout out. <laughs> it's it's a really good one. But yeah, um, he, he rescues Jesse and Bullseye and they come. they live with Andy now. Yeah, this this movie's hard to th- like. Don't think about it too much, yeah. <laughs> or you may drown. Uh, yeah, there's a little bit of uh, Sarah. I don't know if you've seen the movie Cars. Mm, no. So Dick it. Dick has this thing with the universe of Cars, where if he starts asking too many questions about like the mechanics mm-hmm. of how cars are like full, basically like full humans well, um, in these movies, it falls they're apart. Supposed to be humans, but he gets really sometimes- angry. Sometimes, like, their lights are their eyeballs, and sometimes it's their boobs. Mm. And sometimes, like, they eat oil, but also oil is their money. Mm. And also, it's all about the thread. It's all about the tiny town and the economy of this tiny town, but we don't know how the economy of cars works. And it's just, it's just a thing. But anyway, uh, so listen to our cars episode if you like all those questions (laughs) and more. But there, there is a little element of that in in all the Toy Story movies, but especially as they start to expand the world in the sequels of like, well, if this is happening, then what is like you want to make some like one to one metaphors, but that's just not what the story is made for. And also like toys are I mean, as far as I know, toys aren't alive in real life. So like all of this is speculative anyway in a fictional universe. Yeah. But the dog but yeah. knows the toys are alive. Yeah. Which that was something I didn't remember. Mm-hmm. The dog is a bridge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they might have thrown that in there just to be like, uh, hey, we're different than the Christmas toy. Yeah, that's, you don't, that's right. You don't have to hide if there's a cat. Mm. Did they were, Did they interact with uh, Sid's dog, Scud, in the first one? I think so. Is there precedent for that? Well, that was supposed to be a dog. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think Dick they does did. not like the aesthetics in the first movie. <laughs> Wikipedia reminded me yesterday when I looked it up that Sid was a big part of the first movie, which I did mm-hmm. not remember. And I think they did interact with the dog and maybe a cat too, but I don't know if that meant the dog and the cat knew they were alive or if the dog and the cat were just doing dog cat things where they try to eat toys. Right. Unclear. Right. Yeah, it seems like uh, Woody could talk to the 
dog and the dog could understand him. Mm -hmm. But also Andy said the same thing to the dog and the dog did not seem to understand him. So toys might speak a different language than humans. And well, and Sarah, you brought up this too, that Mm -hmm. like the um, bullseye, the horse doesn't talk, but like slinky dog, like other Rex the dinosaur talk. So why doesn't bullseye? Are there any like toys in the movie that moved but didn't talk besides bullseye? The Etch-a-Sketch. The etch And the speller guy only says the words that they type into him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're uh, like the barrel of monkeys. I don't know if Maybe, they... Maybe, yeah. Like, they don't talk. They might make monkey noises. I don't know. Yeah. It's very... The rules are not clear. No. But at no. the same time, they do some really cool things, like when they had all of the toys were trying to break into the toy barn, and they needed to trigger the door to open, and they all jumped in the air at the same time and landed down on the mat so that they could get the door open. Yeah, and yeah, that, felt, some, that felt like great toy logic, right? Like, yeah, they've got some really that. like cool realism going on. Yeah, and there's and there's so much going on just in terms of really fun characters and really clever plotting that like yes if you pull the thread it it starts to unravel a little bit but you're not as tempted to pull the thread because it's Mm -hmm. it's a fun movie and the logic in general works uh as opposed to the other movie we're talking about (laughs) where once you start pulling threads there's like seven other threads that just appear that you have to start pulling as well um so well, let's talk yeah. about Frozen 2. <laughs> yeah, let's let's do. Um, Kate, Kate, start us off. Tell uh, what's your experience with Frozen and Frozen 2? Did you did you like see these all right away? Yeah, so both I saw in the theater. Um, Frozen 2 a couple like a month or so after it came out cuz I was home on Christmas break. Um, but yeah, like I I like Frozen a lot and I will, you know, I will go to bat for Tangled as a better movie than Frozen. Um but like, oh, that music is so good and I just I really like it and I'm really I'm really happy that some movie w- with this strong quality of Frozen um kind of reignited this like Disney animated musicals are a thing that kids pay attention to. Um, as an elementary music teacher, there was a whole stretch of the beginning of my career where kids had not seen any of these movies. You look, you'd ask them about the Lion King and they're like, the what? I I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so now with this kind of, I don't, uh, re uh, re renaissance (laughs) of animated musicals, kids are not only very familiar with Elsa and Rapunzel and Moana, but they're also, I I think in part because of the live action, but just in part because their parents are now, you know, Mm -hmm. our age Mm -hmm. that, oh, if you're interested in Frozen, great. I'm going to put on Beauty and the Beast for you. You know, like there's this like the parents have a library of their own favorite movies that are very similar to now this thing that their kid is obsessed in. So Mm -hmm. it makes total sense that now you're showing them Little Mermaid and things like that. So I'm that's one reason that I love Frozen. Um, And then. Frozen 2, of course, we we all saw it together. Mm-hmm. Aww. What about what about you and your Frozen uh, experience, Sarah? So I think I mentioned briefly, I saw the first one, I believe, with my family. I think I was actually sitting in the theater with right next to my mom when I saw it, mm-hmm. which, of course, is a movie that's about 
dead parents as all Disney movies are, except Toy Story, actually. So I don't know if we ever see Andy's dead. But uh, dead parents and close sibling relationships, getting a little teary-eyed next to your mom is maybe not the worst thing at the holidays. And then and then I did, as I said, to see it again with you when you had a great Frozen-themed uh, sing-along night. Yeah, And then Frozen 2, we did all see together the last time that we were all in New York City together back in November. Yeah. And I had not watched it again until this weekend. So I revisited it just for this podcast and had all the same questions. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get to those questions. Uh, Dick? Uh, So the first one, uh, I I was kind of like off the animated – um, I was kind of off the Disney wagon uh, at the time. Uh, I don't remember what had come out recently before that, but I was not, I guess, tangled. I was I was pretty uninterested in. Um, now now I love it and also am required to love it. Um, <laughs> it's so good. Um, but yeah, yeah, I was, I was just kind of off the Disney wagon. So I didn't see that until um, it came out on, uh, on home video. And I, I like had a couple drinks with the, the girl I was dating at the time. And by the end of it, I was a blubbering mess. So <laughs> I guess it went pretty well. Uh, frozen, frozen really revitalized, uh, my belief in, in Disney as a, as a animation company. Uh, I think it's, pr- I, I think I probably went from princess and the frog to frozen. Is probably what the leap. Oh, that's was. A, mm. a much bigger leap. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. frog leap. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, Frozen, very good. Um, and then uh, Frozen Two. Um, yeah, we all saw it together. And then Kate, you and I watched the documentary, and then watched mm-hmm. the movie again after a after watching a <laughs> five hour documentary. So yeah. So so let's let, – well, mm-hmm. should we do the summary first or should we go back to the night that we saw it? <laughs> like, okay. I think it's I think it's cookie time timer. Time. All right. It's cookie timer. Should I just read my questions for this? <laughs> <laughs> Telling this plot of Frozen in questions. All right. I'm going to try my best. All right. All right. So okay. Frozen 2. Frozen 2. Frozen 2. <laughs> frozen two. Do it like two. Olaf. All right. Do it like Olaf. Do it like – I should have just gotten the script for that. That would have been so smart. But that's because well, he does Frozen the, 2 at the end, right? The tag. We forgot. Mm-hmm. We turned off the credits. But Oh, does he really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, man. He's telling it to the big snowman, right? Or well, the little guys. Mm-hmm. Anyway, point is, I'm going to start now. Here we go. All right. Uh, Arendelle is great. Everyone's together from the first movie. Um, and before that, you get a little like prologue of their uh, Elsa and Anna are kids again, just like in the first movie. And their parents are telling them a bedtime story about the time that Arendelle's army met uh, these uh, Northuldra indigenous people and they had a fight. They built them a dam and they weren't grateful and they had a fight and they've been lost in that forest forever. And now Arendelle needs to be protected. Uh, the indigenous people are. I guess bad. Anyway, uh, things are going well in present day Arendelle, except for Elsa hears this voice. Ah, 
and she's got to follow it. She just hears it too many times. And everyone else is like, Elsa, what's wrong with you? She's like, I don't know. But she follows it and she brings everyone with her. And then uh, she discovers this magical forest hidden by mist. And this is where the army of Arendelle and the North Aldra have been like locked in battle for 34 years. That seems like a long time. Uh, anyway, they have to get out because uh, Elsa has to find this voice. And so she tries a lot of ways. And on the way, they meet this like fire lizard and wind, it just wind. Uh, there's rock people and uh, there's a water horse that she meets later. Well, these are the four spirits of nature. We already know that. Uh, so uh, Elsa needs to follow this voice and then she and Anna try to follow the voice, but they find the ship where their dead parents got shipwrecked. Um, and they were trying to find Ada Holland. Uh, and so Elsa goes, great, my voice is at Ada Holland. And she gets there and she sings a big song. The voice is uh, maybe her mom that maybe anyway, but Elsa's like the fifth, the fifth spirit, the connection between the nature and the people, but it's maybe her and Anna. It's really confusing. Anyway, she has to get back, but she freezes because she realizes she, she learns too many secrets. Her grandfather actually, uh, did the attack on the North Aldra because he wanted the dam to remain closed so that it wouldn't flood Arendelle. But, uh, see, I can't even do it. Cookies are done. Mm -hmm. Um, that was pretty close. And then they save everybody. Yeah. Right. Elsa freezes to uh, to like an icicle sculpture because she learns too many secrets, I guess is why. And Anna senses, Anna, like by like instant ice message, <laughs> learns all of this information as well, um, including the fact that Elsa is essentially dead. But she's hmm. got to do the next right thing and she's got to break the dam. That's the way to restore uh, because as soon as Elsa starts hearing these voices, Arendelle like kind kind of comes under attack from all of nature. Um, it I mean in our world it would just be climate change that's doing this, <laughs> but um, anyway, so we have to restore the balance, and the only way to do that is to break the dam, this thing that screwed over the indigenous people in the first place, and so she gets the rock monsters slash spirits to do this and it almost floods Arendelle but oh here comes Elsa on her horse because she's been unfrozen because the dam was broken and she diverts the water just in time to save the castle of Arendelle um, but also the dam is broken so the North Aldra can live their best lives and Elsa decides that she needs to live in the forest for reasons and Anna becomes queen of Arendelle but they still like talk and do charades uh, and also Anna gets engaged, but that is the least important <laughs> thing that happens in the movie. The deep plot. Okay, that There's was, a uh, lot of movie. That was uh, very close to two minutes. You you were almost there. <laughs> I didn't I wish I had, had Date Quill for that uh, explanation. <laughs> <laughs> I might have been able to answer some questions. So let let's go back to that night that we saw it. We like had some dinner, went to the movie theater, we're really excited, and then we, we, we I think, take the train home, and Sarah, you're staying with us. <laughs> so this is one, and this is, Sarah and I have had many experiences where we go see a piece of art, whether it's a movie or a theater piece, and then we talk about <laughs> it for, for longer than the length of the actual yep. piece of art, <laughs> and I think this is one of them. Yeah. We just yeah, had and so many questions. We had we had so many questions, but and and we we will get into those. But the the thing that fascinated me is how many 
misunderstandings. Like my, my favorite, we, we talked for probably an hour and a half, two hours about frozen two and what was good about it, what was bad about it, how it could be fixed and what it meant. But there was a point, uh, Kate, where, Uh (laughs) where you said, Wait, like, so why does why is Anna queen of all those uh people now? Elsa, we were both yeah. Like, Elsa, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Elsa. We were like, wait, what? Elsa's not the queen of the mm-hmm. Atta Hollands. And you're like, but it it seems like she is. And we both and were like, like I hope not. That would be bad. <laughs> but it's also like she could I, be. I can kind of I kind of see that because it, it doesn't say she is. It doesn't say she isn't. It doesn't say what she's doing. Mm-hmm. But there were like, I think for each of us, uh, uh, there were at least there was at least like one moment in the movie that we just completely did not understand or, yeah. what the movie was trying to tell us. It was each of us had at least a question or two that the other two had not even. It was like, oh no, that's not a question. This is just what happened. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, r- really? I'm. <laughs> I I have to say, when I watched it the other night, I had completely forgotten that Anna says out loud, oh, you're the fifth spirit, to the point where I went, did they add that after the theater, like theatrical re- release? Because I don't remember that being that clear, but I guess it was. It yeah. maybe was. So uh, I, there are so many things to talk about. Very and I start. <laughs> I want to. I want us to all remember that we're also talking about Toy Story two because I think that's going to be really easy to forget in the next. Yeah, that's uh, going to be dangerous. Minutes to hours of conversation. Um, all right, so let's. I mean, do, do you want to just do the Frozen two thing and then like just yeah. get out, just get out our all right our opinions and that. In fact, Kate, you sure. have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a prepared statement. I, have, I do have a prepared statement. This, this watch of Frozen 2, I wrote down uh, a series of questions. Some of them are questions I had then um, on the first viewing, and some of them are questions I still have now. And I think the questions I have now list is longer than the questions I had then, <laughs> which is really scary. All right. So then, and, and some of these questions are answered by the narrative. I want to, I want uh, some of them are. Okay. Uh, what, who is the voice? Uh, what is the significance of these four elements? Are Elsa's powers growing? That's what the troll said. I- is it too much? Um, is this magical forest like like the Wizard of Oz poppy field where they just like start seeing things? Uh, why is Anna so jumpy around Kristoff? Why doesn't <laughs> why doesn't this funny Olaf song work? Uh, are these armies in, uh, Sisyphusian ghosts? Uh, are Ryder and Kristoff falling in love? Uh, are the elements friends, foes, neutral? Why does Kristoff's song not work? Uh, what is the fifth element? All caps. Who is the voice? And this is again. This is a question I'm asking again. After technically it's revealed, I still had the question: uh, it, Is it Elsa? Is it the spirit of connection? Is it sisterhood? Uh, why is this the dumbest proposal they could have chosen? And is Elsa queen of Northaldra? Those were the initial questions. Uh- Clarifying, uh, I just want to clarify your list there, Kate. Uh-huh. Um, the second who is the voice yeah. uh, is not in regards to Elsa's voice. It's Anna's voice. 
she keeps singing a next right thing. Oh, I hear a voice and it tells me this. Oh, no. I asked that question out loud. I didn't write that one down. <laughs> I, I have a lot Sorry. of questions about voices Sorry, that's in the, this movie. That's the third voice that, that was it's, not. Yeah, they use question. the turn of phrase like this voice in my head is telling me to keep going. But it's like when a major mo- motif of the movie is who is this voice? <laughs> you can't use the phrase voice in my head like. Unless, it, it's, the unless it's the same voice, which could be really interesting. Could be. But then it would be the troll king or leader. Yeah. Because yeah. He's the one she who pre- tells her to the, do the next best thing. So are we saying yes. that Elsa's voice is actually the troll? I- she, so Elsa, um, the, Elsa and Anna were born at different times, right? So I think Elsa is the spawn of mom and dad <laughs> and Anna might be the spawn of mom and the troll king. <laughs> so, uh, Sarah, you mentioned like, you know, there are uh, most, most questions that I had here are perhaps answered in the film, but you mentioned earlier this idea, not that much earlier, this idea of Anna saying out loud, Oh, you're the fifth element mm-hmm. <laughs> because it is not clear the way the story is told. And I feel like that is a major difference that I found watching Toy Story 2 again and specifically watching it to be able to compare it to this movie is that this Frozen 2 does a lot of telling through words. Mm-hmm. Um, and Toy, Sto- Toy Story 2 does a lot of showing instead of telling through words. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like they have to catch you up on what's happened since the first movie. And just like the first movie, I think that first opening scene in the toy room where it's just like in medias rest, this is what's going on. It tells you a lot about what questions you might have going into the sequel without saying, like, Andy's dog is friends with us now. We aren't afraid <laughs> of it. Right? Like, <laughs> well, it's so it's interesting you say that because. Both movies, even though you could go into them without having seen the original, both original movies are so big that I think you can assume that 99% of people going into them Mm -hmm. are going to have already seen it, right? And so Toy Story 2 doesn't do a lot of work reestablishing relationships because it doesn't really think it Mm -hmm. needs to. Mm -hmm. It, It reminds you that Buzz is friends with everybody now It reminds you that like Woody's got a girlfriend in Bo Peep and it reminds you of Woody's relationship with Andy and how special it is. But then it just kind of goes off on this plot and things happen. And, you know, you could say that some of that emotional building is a little bit let down by how quickly Woody's willing to sacrifice his friends who need him for these new friends. Mm -hmm. Right. That's probably the weakest emotional link. You could see him saying, you know, Andy won't need me forever, but these toys do. But his Mm -hmm. friends need him. But that's probably the weakest. Everything else is so plot-driven that they just can rely on these emotional lines that from the first movie as through lines Mm -hmm. of like, of course the friends are going to rescue him. They love Woody. Nobody's going to worry about it. Of course he wants to be back to Andy. He loves Andy. Mm -hmm. Frozen 2 doesn't really do that very well, I think. It, it spends a lot of time with the first song, the the happy song, kind of trying to establish everybody's relationship of, oh, these two are sisters and they love each other. These uh-huh. two are dating and they love each other. Olaf loves everybody. Da, 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 da. And th- they do all that. But then there is no through line to their previous relationships except for Anna and Elsa. 
Mm-hmm. Because as I think one of your questions alluded to, why is Anna so jumpy around Kristoff? You don't, yes. Anna and Kristoff are not a couple in this movie. They're not a team in the way no. that they were at the end of the first movie. Right. And so there's, there's kind of these emotional links that are missing. And I wonder if that's one piece of why the movie has to tell us they care about each other and that, you know, tell us all of these things, Mm -hmm. not only emotionally wise, but plot wise, because it, it can't, it's not trying to build for some reason on things that are established from the first movie. It's trying to do something completely new that has no tie to the first movie in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. That, that whole proposal subplot is Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I'm going to propose to Anna or Anna and I've got to find the best way to do it. But never in the movie do we see any reason why he should want to propose or she should want to accept? They don't seem to get along very well. (laughs) They don't. And they expect the worst of each other, right? Like when Anna knows that Kristoff has gone off with reindeers, she's like, well, of course he has. And she leaves him and he believes that she's left him. And it's like, well, yeah, she kind of has. And, and she thinks you left, but I, I, in some ways I feel like, this is a a plus and a minus about this movie and about this franchise. It's wonderful to have a movie that's built on two awesome female characters. Like that's one of the mm-hmm. best things about the first movie. Mm-hmm. This movie is built on that, but doesn't really have a, their relationship is kind of screwed up her Anna and Elsa's. And then it shoehorns Kristoff in. And if you're really, if the only reason he's going to be in the movie is this whole proposal subplot, have her have broken up with him. You know, like, I love Jonathan Groff. I want him in every movie I can, but he didn't, you would have lost 20 minutes from this movie and maybe you could have spent those 20 minutes making the rest of it make sense. Mm-hmm. Or, or at it, like a different way to do it is to just make him comic relief. Like mm-hmm. make the answer to the question not in question, right? Like, of course Anna's going to say yes, but then it's just, you know, a comical series of distractions happen before kind of um dick i'm thinking of the full house goes to disney world episode yes where danny tries to propose to vicky like a bunch of different times but then just like literal real life situations come up and it breaks up the momentum and like there's not a question he's like like, hey will you marry me and like before he says it a band comes out and plays oompa music yeah great well that's That's, where this started right like it it mm. starts as comic relief the first one is funny and then right. she starts arguing with him and getting upset with him because he keeps putting his foot in his mouth. And that comes back to what you said, Dick, of why are these two people together if <laughs> everything he says goes yeah. wrong? Yeah. He does He does meet someone that understands him yes. completely, though. Yes. And uh, it like... Why is this writer character, he's one of the North Aldra, he loves reindeer, he talks to reindeer the way Kristoff does, like, why is he there if not to date Kristoff? Like, why yeah. are we, like, he's, he's so like charming. The same, he's like the same as Kristoff, also. Like, he doesn't add anything Except the, pr- the reindeer as- proposal, which we really needed to have Kristoff <laughs> standing in front of a herd of reindeer getting ready to because that was crucial to this movie (laughs) but it's like for me as a viewer Kristoff is a weird guy that talks to reindeer and he's he's funny Uh in meat rider he's a weird guy that talks to (laughs) well you're you're pointing to another problem with this in the first movie Kristoff wasn't 
comic relief. Their relationship was funny, right? They played yeah. they played off each other in a way that was really charming. But mm-hmm. comic relief was full off, and that's where it was centered, and that's where the heart of the comic relief for the movie is rightfully centered. And in this movie, they said, well, Olaf's great. We're going to make sure we give him two songs. Well, we still have to do something with Kristoff. Uh, let's make him the second comic relief. Yeah. And this is not a movie that should have two comic relief characters. Yeah. Well, and it's just really interesting the way that they kind of, I mean, that they throw away Kristoff, right? If he's one of the four kind of advancing to the next level of Frozen, <laughs> like they kind of throw him away and then they add so many other characters oh, and so none many. of them are important either. At least like, right? Like Buzz is taking a backseat in Toy Story 2, right? This is Woody's mm-hmm. story. The first one, the first movie is is Woody's response, but it's more of Buzz's story, right? Mm-hmm. Buzz is the one who needs to be told you're a toy. But it's all it's 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 kind of actually Toy Story is a little bit similar to Frozen in that it's kind of a dual story. Like they both mm-hmm. learn things and they have to work on it together. Um and Buzz takes a backseat in Toy Story 2, which I think is fine because the characters that you do introduce are there for a specific reason. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. right, they're there to challenge Woody's view again, but in a different way. They're, mm-hmm. you know, Jesse in a more sympathetic way and Stinky Pete in a more malicious way. But you only introduce <laughs> two, right? What are, you, what are you laughing at? <laughs> Stinky Pete. Stinky Pete. But like, good, you're only a adding- good name. It is a good name. You're only you literally only adding four characters, right? Jesse, Bullseye, Pete, and Al. And they and each wait, Zorg. Is Zorg in the Zerg, first movie? Zerg. Zerg. Zerg is not technically in the first movie as a toy character, but, but we, he's not much of a he's No, not he's much not much in this movie. one either. And I thought that worked really well. Like that reference to the first, like Buzz Lightyear's villain in in his like toy canon is Zerg. And so Zerg chasing buzz and like Mm -hmm. this um you know factory reset buzz having this relationship with zerg that's really funny and it's a funny way to reference the first that's Mm -hmm. a great comedic side plot like Mm -hmm. that works really well um but yeah the new characters mean something where there's not a single new character in frozen 2 i'm sorry are you saying honey marin's not important that's her name? Like, I didn't for- know. I forgot You're, about her. Are you her. saying that Yelena and Agnar and Runard aren't important? There's so many names. I I literally forgot about young woman Northaldra. I remembered the, the guy that I thought Kristoff should date, and I remembered the old lady, and I did not remember that there was a younger woman. No. The younger so, woman who I think the speculation would be that she could be Elsa's love interest at some point should they want to. I think it's unlikely sure. to happen, but I think that was the the very small Disney nod to the fact that a lot of people felt that Elsa could or should be queer, mm-hmm. which would be amazing. But uh, I don't know that Disney's going to go there with with Elsa. Elsa could well, be better and, than Honey Marin. Well, and now we've I'm seen... I'm sorry. She's, she's a queen and also like a god of all of the elements Element, or something. Elements. She could do better than Honey Marin. Yeah. I guess the new character in this movie is kind of the mom, right? Like, kind even of. though she's from the old movie, <laughs> we learn kind of. Well, yeah. or, or, or are the elements the new characters? 
I, I I will go on record maybe forever for saying I think the elements are the dumbest thing. <laughs> I like I know they're so important in this movie, and like I just I I, I went through this they're, whole movie. I mean, they're not important in this movie. No, they're not at they, all. But we are told as the audience that they are extremely important. They are foreshadowed in Into the Unknown. They wreck the village. You see one of them at a time and Elsa tames them. You see them at the end. They are so important and like the biggest nothing burgers of it. Like, you know the term MacGuffin, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So they are the MacGuffins that. do, they get found right away and they don't oh mean gosh, anything. This is a whole movie of MacGuffins. That, that yeah. is That's what, what Frozen is. 2 is. It's just yeah, MacGuffin Frozen, the musical. I mean, it's it is basically a musical version of any of the like big Marvel movies. Mm. There's like some sort of blue laser and we've got to find a thing. And like it it felt very much the Marvel formula, but with like really good songs in the middle of them. I'm so glad you said that word MacGuffin, Sarah, because I was telling Dick, like, this movie feels a lot like what um, the series Lost ended up feeling like to a lot of viewers, including myself, that's like, oh, they're on an island, and there's a polar bear, and then there's this weird, like, laboratory, and people keep saying Jacob, and you're like, oh, cool, this is all going to add up to, like, this big conspiracy thing, and then, like, each of them are just kind of explained individually, and it never forms into anything that's worth this, like, uh, intrigue and mystique. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel about this movie. I'm like, oh, well, okay, Elsa's the middle, but what does that tell – like, the, what does that mean for Elsa? I don't is know. less than the whole in this situation. Yes. And, and as you were saying that, Kate, I figured out why there are so many new characters in this movie. Toys. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. too yes it's disney so yes but also there are how many MacGuffins? somebody has to explain each of them mm-hmm. and, so, <laughs> and so instead of doing the smart thing and saying you know maybe we should have three elements instead of four maybe like why do they need to find the parents ship and the glacier like maybe just one or the other they said, well, that's a lot of cool stuff, so let's just throw in enough characters who can make sense of it for them. And that's yeah, what like they did. Each MacGuffin has its own translator. Like- including the reindeer, right? <laughs> we didn't need the reindeer. But Gosh. they said, you know, if Kristoff's going to hang out with that reindeer herd, he sure needs that guy to explain them to him. So, And that's, so, like, that's the big thing is that, like, why are all these things here? Because what is this movie about? I don't know. I know what Toy Story 2 is about. Right. It's about kind of like finding a new place when you feel obsolete. Mm-hmm. Um, John Lasseter, the director, describes kind of the impetus of the storytelling in like he is a big toy collector because of course he is. Um, and like how do toys feel about being collected or being in a museum? And it's this kind of at least because I haven't seen the fourth one, I feel like these three movies are, they build and they're like different uh, points in a toys kind of life cycle, Mm -hmm. or at least Mm -hmm. the life cycle of being with one kid. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I, I get it. Like, I know what this movie is about. It's a story worth telling. Woody's lessons that he learns in this one are different than the first, but related Mm -hmm. and like a very natural next set of challenges. I don't like 
it, we were watching a like a, a response video, I guess. Mm-hmm. What, what do you call what Jenny Nicholson does, Dick? A video essay. Yeah, on this, and she she feels very similar about this movie than, mm-hmm. as we do. And you mean about Frozen Two? About Frozen Two. Yeah, sorry. Um, and she's like, I don't like. What is the conclusion that Elsa's just having a gap year? Like, <laughs> like is that what we're supposed? Like, everyone should have a gap year. Is that the message of the story? I- well, so Kate. Okay, so as you say all this, it takes me back to when you were talking about the threads that unravel, right? Mm-hmm. Of like in Toy Story, you could pull on the world building and you might unravel it a little bit. But what what I'm hearing and what I agree with is the emotional arc of Toy Story Two is solid. And you mm. can nitpick here mm-hmm. or there, but there's an emotional arc and it makes sense and it even prepares you for the next movie. Mm. Woody, Woody hadn't, Woody thought about de- being displaced in the first movie, but Woody had not really thought about that Andy could get rid of him until this movie. And so right. Jesse teaches him that, Al teaches him that, he sees what another life could be. And that means when we get to movie three, he's set up to help build another life for him and the other toys, mm. even if they don't want to live on at the daycare, cause that's dangerous for them. There's he, he's learned what he needed. He has the, the kind of the growth mindset to mm-hmm. go into the next movie. And the, well, I guess here's my question for you. What was the emotional arc of the first frozen movie for you? Is that love is the antidote to fear, right? Specifically in relationships and specifically in their sisterhood. Mm-hmm. But right, like fear made her powers do bad things. Love healed, mm-hmm. and love made her powers do good things. Love heals. <laughs> that's yeah, that's it, for me. I think there's. Yeah, I think there's more. Sure. Like any good movie has layers and multiple. But it's. But in in the end of the day, it's it's a story about sisterhood, mm-hmm. right? It's a story about having a sister that you are close with and the relationship. Uh, between yeah. the two of you, like growing and and running into issues, and then and you they're know, stronger together it. than they are right. apart. And, yeah. and I think the the last piece that for me with that is that the people you love, you can be yourself with. Mm. Elsa, Elsa doesn't have kind of back kind of the the flip of what you said, Kate, with love and fear. Elsa is fearful of losing her sister if she you know, grows into her power because she's afraid of her power. But with her sister's love, she can be herself and use her power for good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you feel this movie builds on that? I think it actively works against it in many scenes. (laughs) You mean like, (laughs) you mean the scene where Elsa almost murders Anna? (laughs) Again, for this, is this the third time she almost murders Anna? Yeah, but, but this, this time, time on, with purpose. Intention. on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is like, a movie that said, let's let's look at this great bond that these sisters have built and let's try to break it again. Well, and I think there's so much potential in that. I think this is one of the good lines of the movie, this like, don't follow me into fire. I wouldn't have to follow you into fire if you didn't walk into fire. Like this, this, Mm-hmm. implicit i'm going to follow you no matter what so make your decisions accordingly like yeah. because anna knows and remembers and it's important to her that they are stronger together and mm-hmm. so 
you know, one thing they could have done is have them go back and forth, have Elsa still kind of be operating out of this like sense memory of fear, but Anna convincing her like, no, we do this together. And so, you know, Elsa and Anna harnessing the water horse together to go to Adahalen would have been stronger and would have flowed more naturally out of what we learned about them and what they learned in the first movie. Can I, can I just, I want to, I, I want to get back to Toy Story 2 because I, I want to talk about some of these things, but can I just, can I just complain about that water horse for a minute? <laughs> Go right ahead. The thing that gets them into trouble in the first place is that Anna and Elsa's grandfather, father, mm-hmm. Grandfather. Built a dam, thereby taming and controlling the <laughs> element of water. Yep. And then Elsa overcomes her problems by literally taming the element of water. Throwing a throwing reins on it. Yeah. It's like if like it, it, the the um uh, what do you call it the the um brain thing. Um, <laughs> Shit. The brain thing. Uh, anyway, there's a word. The <laughs> there's there's just like a discord. There's like mm-hmm. a disconnect where where the 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 movie keeps telling me things, and then it tries to use symbolism, and then the symbolism says the opposite mm-hmm. of what I'm supposed to be believing. Mm-hmm. Cognitive dissonance. There it is. Yeah. Um, where like I'm just like movie. What message are you sending me? And it makes it very difficult. Like it makes the movie slippery. Right. It makes it hard to 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 like get my hands around and get a hold of. Whereas Toy Story two, the the whole thing. Like I I have I have my gripes about Toy Story two. Right. There's it's a it's a little bit too referential. I didn't need. To hear friend in me twice in one movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's there, you know, there's a lot of like cheesy stuff going on, but it it it, it works. Mm-hmm. And from beginning to end, they are telling us like they are giving us these messages, and those messages work. Like when Woody keeps like escaping his like little like loose cage that he's put in. Right, he's mm-hmm. he's kind of given a a, a gilded cage, right? Mm-hmm. He's got the, he's very dressed up. He's got this very fancy storage space, but it it and even though he'll be like famous and beloved, he'd still be in a cage and like oh, that's some really that's a really cool piece of symbolism, and it's interesting that he keeps trying to escape it, but then he grows to like it, and then mm-hmm. like oh, sorry, I just well, it's, and one it's nice when a movie. Is consistent. Right. And one thing, you know, we're talking about, you know, a sequel's kind of message building on the first. I thought it was really interesting that Buzz uses the line, you are a toy, you are a child's plaything. Mm -hmm. When Woody's like, no, I want to be in a museum, right? Like, that's the line Mm -hmm. Woody uses on Buzz in the first movie to kind of knock sense into him that like, no, you are not a space ranger with laser Mm -hmm. skills. And this is a totally different situation. And the character who's saying it is trying to impart a different message, but the line still works. Mm -hmm. And it would be effective even if you didn't see the first, but it's doubly, maybe triply effective if you have seen the first. And that's an example of like, just, you can use the first movie. You can, you know, you're not being 
lazy if you're using some content from the first movie, whether it's literal like lines or whether it's like this, you know, material, like the relationship material to build in the second movie. It's not only not lazy, it's smart and it's effective. Yeah. And it, and it all hangs together. Like that's, that's, you know, as you're saying about the, just to circle back on the idea of what Dick was saying with the, when they tell you something, it, it means something and it, and it's consistent with what's kind of the larger arc. Even when Toy Story 2 tries to trick you by, you know, setting up Stinky Joe as, um, Stinky Joe. Stinky, Stinky Pete. Pete. Stinky Pete. This is how memorable the villain is for me. I He's do, great. Yeah. He's great. But <laughs> they, they set it up for you, right? Yeah. There's, you know that somebody turned the remote control on and mm-hmm. Jessie is so adamant that it's not her. And you believe her, right? Because she's a consistent character. And Woody doesn't mm. want to believe her, but as the audience, those clues are there that there's someone mm-hmm. else who is working behind the scenes to make sure this happens. So when the when the turn comes, it it makes sense. And the mm-hmm. problem with the turns in Frozen is exactly what Dick said, which is are are we meant to fight with the elements or are we meant to befriend the elements? How are we supposed to what what is the action that moves us closer to our MacGuffin goal in this? Well, you you befriend fire, and you kind Do of you ignore know? because she you, she shoots she, ice at him. Yeah, but but in the end, she kind of like befriends him. Mm-hmm. You kind of ignore wind. <laughs> also, you also shoot ice at wind. Yep, you tame water and Muzzle you trick by. earth. Muzzle and you trick earth. and you trick earth. Mm-hmm. That's. But but you know what I That's what I said thing. in the first movie to myself and possibly to you or the first time we saw it and the second mm-hmm. time I saw it I said out loud why didn't Anna just ask the stone giants to oh help take God, down right? the dam I mean that was one of the questions we had the second viewing yeah mm-hmm. like maybe maybe they don't understand or maybe they won't help but also like okay but also why if we know the dam is a problem and there are these giant stone creatures that can easily destroy the dam, why don't they do it? Well, that's the question. Two questions from that. Were the giants awake before Anna awoke the spirits? Oh, because there is a line about the, the giants are on this part of the forest now or something like that. So maybe they weren't there before, but also does anyone know the dam's a problem before Elsa sees the past? That's right. That's like this. It, it, <sighs> There's so many questions, right? If the so the grandfather does know the dam is a problem, right? But the people the gra- don't know. The people the, of the forest. But how can they not? How can they not? Yeah, like. Well, this this is probably a good moment for me to confess that I fell asleep when Elsa got to the glacier. So if you wanted to recap for me, (laughs) what happens when she sees the memories of the past? Quick recap. Um, recap? Glaciers are rivers of ice, ice. which is memory. Memory Water has memory. And ice is water, but water isn't ice. Mm. And... (laughs) She follows these ice memories, a lot of references from the first movie that aren't very funny. Um, And then she overhears this conversation between 
her grandfather, like that the memory of her grandfather and his like first commanding officer that he had this plan all along that the dam is, you know, we're building the dam so that Arendelle can survive and I don't care that they're losing their resources and we're going to literally stab in the back mm-hmm. like the kind of the chief of the village in order to be able to attack all of them to be able to snuff them out. Yeah. What, would, did they attack them to build the dam? No, the no. dam was built first. The dam was built first. In friendship. He attacks it him. It was not built in friendship, though. Mm-hmm. No, the dam was built to make sure that they couldn't harness the elements. Mm-hmm. And... And then they attacked them just for spite? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, like the, the grandfather says, like, oh, you can't trust... Uh, can't trust people who use ma- magic or oh, rely that's right. on magic. They're afraid of magic. Mm. They're different from us, which means they can't be trusted. Of course. We must sound the drums of war. Savages. 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 This is just this is just a song from Pocahontas, Sarah, if you weren't mm-hmm. picking up on that. <laughs> I, I got there. I got there. <laughs> but also it's 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 the same old story of hating people who are different from us. For any reason, and right? You take power and I, from other people. One thing I'll give to Frozen too is that it doesn't uh, just like every other idea. It's not fleshed out in any sort of meaningful way, but there is this idea of oh, our our you know in this movie, our white society is built on oppression of indigenous people, and we didn't even. No, because our history has been told in a certain way. Again, none of that is really well flushed out. Like It could be, but it is a better, I feel like it's a little bit better story than like what Disney does with Pocahontas in 1995. So they're like, I mean, they're, they're, they're getting there in baby steps, but they're still not ready to actually do anything meaningful. Yeah. There's like a, hey, I'm a benevolent queen and we can keep our land and everything. But some guy I didn't know. I guess my grandfather did some horrible stuff so that we can have this land, but we're going to keep this land. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. Just- I mean, that Arendelle, like, this is not an unpopular opinion in, like, uh, you know, social media nerddom that, like, the castle should have definitely been destroyed in this. Oh, movie. my God. It would have been mm-hmm. great. It been so much better if you just let it destroy and then either build something together with the North Aldra or yeah, rebuild say, something at the end. We're not going to be as greedy with our resources. We can build a more modest society that still takes care of everyone. Like, uh, uh. yeah. Well, and that, that the whole sequence, both the beginning sequence when everyone is run out of town and the end also speaks to the, are the spirits benevolent or malevolent? Because, I think there are some people who have read the scene where everyone is run out of town as the elements destroying the town, but you could also see it as them keeping everybody safe because they knew that the dam would have to be broken and eventually the town Mm. would be destroyed. But But also, are they stuck in the forest or are they not stuck in the forest or what? Well, it's an interesting, right? When the town is destroyed, you don't see a lizard or rock people or a horse. You see Gale. I think you sort of see Gale and you see. I mean, that's the wind. Right, it's like. Right, true. You see see Gale in the first movie, too. Yeah, Gale is an ever-present Look, they were setting that up. That's one thing that they actually set up. 
So, Sarah, have you seen any of the Frozen 2 documentary? I have not yet, and I would love to hear about it. What's I'm so oh, excited. To, good so, God. Disney Plus has a six-part uh, Frozen 2 documentary. It's called Into the Unknown, and it's like it's like six so hours. Apropos. Like the the episodes are like between forty five and sixty minutes, so it's almost six hours of just what Dick like the last six months or three months of production. Yeah, maybe it's six just months. the end of production. And wow. all of these questions that we are asking and that you know are on my list are interestingly questions that the creators were also asking <laughs> right up until the end. Like show yourself was one of the very last sequences where the story was completed, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting, right? We're talking about all these kind of ideas, all these MacGuffins that don't go anywhere. And there is a sense of that in this documentary too, that like, oh, we have some open ends and we're doing audience test screenings and the audience doesn't understand what's going on. They're telling us that the story is confusing. How can we, but they, you know, they, they don't have time to redo the story at this point because frozen two is on the calendar and it's one of the most anticipated movies that Disney has to offer at this time. But they have enough time to add in lines like what Dick, you heard Olaf say some like very clearly. Olaf, Olaf has a couple of these when he's like picked up by Gail um, the first time mm -hmm. he's like, Oh, the wind element. And then (laughs) there's a scene. Yeah. Where like the fire is coming to the village. Yeah. Where the, where the fire is coming and Olaf is not on the screen and you just hear his voice go, Oh, the fire element. Mm-hmm. Or the fire mm-hmm. elemental, yeah. or whatever, and it's the just fire like spirit. Oh, the wind spirit! Like it's like yeah, back just, to back. Do you think that Josh Gad there. was the most ga- game to do that kind of thing? And they were like, which of these I mean, actors could we just like have say these lines and throw it? And Josh Gad was like, me, I will I, do. I it. mean, I think they had an enormous for all the problems they had. They had, they do had and had had. And have an enormous asset in Olaf, who is kind of this character who just says random things. <laughs> so, like, he would be the one being like, oh, the wind spirit. It's like, well, how does Olaf know this? It doesn't matter. Olaf says a lot of ridiculous things. And so, also, like, did you are- know water is memory? Water is yeah. memory. Oh my God. I don't think I heard it all the 12 times they said it. Are you sure <laughs> that you didn't know before Olaf told us that? Because we needed Olaf to tell us that. But yeah, I think Dick, you said a couple times during this rewatch, they're like, you're like, I'm really glad Olaf is here. Or like, they're really lucky they have Olaf. Yeah. And that's one scene from the documentary is they were having to like explain to each new person they met because there's like 50 new characters, um, like who they were and where they were from. And, and that was taking too long. And that like in the last couple months of production is the genesis of where that lovely little like Olaf um, (laughs) synopsis of the first movie comes out of because they're Mm -hmm. like we don't have time to explain to every single person who they are let's use Olaf and like that's one scene that I think really works Mm -hmm. and like of course you're going to reference the first movie no like no sequel should be expected to be a complete like to not reference the fact that it's a sequel like that's dumb that's a good use of Olaf but yeah they relied on him quite a bit to explain things that they didn't and like the prevailing like narrative out of this documentary series I think for us was that they didn't have answers to any of these questions they just kind mm-hmm. of thought 
these they, this aesthetic looked cool and they wanted to do some non-traditional things with these really popular characters especially female characters but they didn't really have a a storytelling mm-hmm. uh, goal or interesting idea to do with it they just kind of wanted to work with these characters more um and and yeah it ended up biting all of them i mean i don't think this documentary it's interesting because disney is you know king of putting um spin on things yeah Mm -hmm. a a good politics spin on everything but they i think they go as positive as they can for disney but i don't i i don't think it's implicit i think it's explicit that no one's super happy with how this turns out Mm -hmm. Um, i i need i need to go back for a minute mm -hmm. to uh to talk about this movie's weird homeopathy thing uh uh, continue yeah (laughs) Uh, so homeopathy is a pseudoscientific practice in which you instead of taking medicine you take uh like if you have a headache instead of taking an aspirin you would drink some water that had a very tiny amount of aspirin dissolved in it at some point because water has memory. (laughs) Water remembers everything that's in it. And therefore you can cure yourself with all this, with all this bullshit. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's uh, an obviously false practice, (laughs) but water has memory is the homeopathy thing. So having that constantly said in this movie, like, puts me off every time I hear it. Because I'm just like googled it, Dick, and yeah, yeah. I had no idea. If you search "water has memory," uh, like homeopathy stuff comes up before frozen stuff. Uh That's interesting. Is maddening. So I don't know if that was intentional. Uh, by whoever came up with that, or if that's just something they heard at some point and they were like, oh, this sounds good, but it drives me nuts. That's all. (laughs) Well, if we're, if we're going back to things, can I go back to the, thank God for Olaf? You may. Sure. Because what a deus ex machina that his spoiler Presumed death is how Anna knows that Elsa is probably dying. Mm. There's that scene doesn't. I don't. Nothing about that works. It is really dark. That it's we were watching. I was watching it with my boyfriend, and he said that was that like a suicide song. And I said, well, it sure sounds like it at some moments. It's it's dark, but I don't. I mean, maybe because I just don't feel cared for as an audience member mm-hmm. by the storytelling that like mm-hmm. I and maybe it's because I'm an adult but like they're not killing off Elsa and Olaf in the second Frozen movie so to me there are no real stakes like sure. this it, it goes to a really dark place and her song is very dark but none of it really feels all that earned because I'm not presented with a credible threat like right. I do think I mean, that comes partly because you're an adult. I, I think that if you were seven or eight and you hadn't seen as many of these movies. Sure. Like, sure. Also, a lot of parents, you know, we've just seen that their parents died. Right. And the grandfather died. You know, I, I, I agree. I think you're right. Like, obviously, no way are they going to kill. They, they would never kill either of them. 
but there's even imagery, right? Like Elsa gets frozen the same way that Anna does in the first movie. Mm-hmm. And we know that is immediately resolved, that mm-hmm. Anna's not dead. She can come back to life. And so even that imagery itself is like, oh, okay, Elsa's just doing an Anna thing. She's temporarily dead before they can solve the problem. <laughs> and then it's fine, right? Like, if I'm but, a kid, I'm like, probably thinking Olaf that too. doesn't die. And Like, he'll just come back. It's He's magic. It's fine. Like, also, magic. if you're going to go dark, they have his snowflakes spinning everywhere, but he's never shrinking in size. Right. Yeah. Not he's at never, all in that scene. He's never melting. He's just kind of gone. Yeah. One, well, but does that make the Anna's feeling that those stakes are not real? Doesn't that make Anna's reaction to it? I, I guess Anna's reaction to it calls into question for me how healthy their sister bond is. Yeah. And, and that circles in this movie. Yeah. It circles back to the Kristoff thing, right? It doesn't seem like Anna likes Kristoff at all. And it seems like her sister is the only reason that song to me makes it sound like her sister th- is the only thing that she cares about. And she finally comes around to realize she still needs to do the next right thing to save her kingdom. Mm-hmm. But if we want to believe that she is growing into the person who could be queen, you kind of want her to have that realization a little sooner. Like, I'll I'll grieve later. Right now I need to do what's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a very like, I I don't want to, I don't know if uh, like codependent Mm -hmm. relationship. Like I'm only, and it's, and um, it's the same with Kristoff and Anna. Like Anna, Anna says like, Oh, I don't know which way to go when you've been my guiding light. Uh, and Kristoff during his song, he's like, you know, you're, you're my North star, but yeah, you yeah. know, I've lost. I was like, guys, just get, let, let everyone have some alone time. It's not that big a deal. Get a compass. <laughs> You'll be fine. <laughs> and I are in different rooms right now. We're, 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 we're fine. Yeah, we're fine. I, they're object permanence. I got it. Like- <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Yeah, object object permanence. It's a thing. But like, I think that's so right. Like, on a song, if I'm listening to it, uh, like it has made me cry when I've just listened to the soundtrack. Like, oh my god, that song's amazing. It's Mm -hmm. it's a beautiful song. I like. I'm actively angry at it when I watched it in the movie because you haven't given it. Like, I'm I'm almost angry for the song not to have a better moment to showcase it to showcase Mm -hmm. how powerful it is. Mm -hmm. Like, it's you know she has like. She wakes up. Olaf's not there. I almost need her to like kind of be numb for like a week or two, even if it's not that long <laughs> minute wise in the movie. But like yeah. I need to kind of see her sink before she's talking about her giant struggle to climb out of this abyss. Of, like mm-hmm. what abyss? Like we haven't yeah, even you, seen you grieve. It just happened. You, whereas, you should be in denial right now. Whereas you meet Jessie the cowgirl in this movie – you hear oh, about yes. her girl in this one song and you're like, oh my God, because yeah. she has had that time, right? You haven't known Jessie in this period of time. She's recalling a memory that has sat with her for a very long time and you don't know all that much about Jessie. You don't have the relationship with her that you do with Woody or Buzz, but that moment lands so like just like a gut punch to your stomach because they are, they're using space and time in conjunction with mm-hmm. this kind, this dark, yeah. um, you know, arc of the plot, like, eh. and like at this point in the movie, you don't even really like Jesse, right? Right? She's, right. she's right. a little 
she's like way she's a lot over eager. Mm-hmm. She's yeah, she's a lot. Um, but also she's like really mean mm-hmm. to uh Woody for for loving this kid. Right. And then finding out why she's mm-hmm. mean, and then looking back in this song where she's happy, like, oh man, it really got me. It mm-hmm. was good. I was, it was, it, yeah. I have a, I have a proposal. Ooh. Do you think there's, do you think there's a spot? Do you, do you think this song in Frozen Two is a trunk song that got cut from the first movie because? I, I I have to revisit the plot of the first movie, but I think that if there, there are moments where Anna's really worried Elsa's lost, right, in the first movie. Mm-hmm. And man, that would work a lot better in the mm-hmm. first movie because she just started to get her sister back again for three seconds and mm-hmm. then she lost her. And so she's in the first movie, she's been grieving for her sister in, in a lot of ways for a long time. And so there's, there's speculation, right? But there's speculation that it's actually a trunk song from this movie, (laughs) from an earlier (laughs) draft of this movie. There's, if, if you listen to the deluxe edition of the soundtrack of this movie, there's a lot of cut songs that just are from a completely different plot. Like there's (laughs) no way that they fit into this plot. And so one reminds me of Moana. Yeah. (laughs) Moana is a different movie in the deluxe. Um, there's a very strong and well-supported theory that Elsa um, kind of goes evil in this movie in an earlier draft that mm. she you know, the idea of go down too deep and you'll drown, right? Mm-hmm. Too, too dark and you'll drown. Um, that like something about the voice is, is more like, a, you know, from, from mythology, right? Mm-hmm. That like is bringing on her destruction and as her powers grow, she develops like, whether intentionally or not, something goes wrong. So she's causing more harm than good with her powers. Mm. And that makes more sense for this song too. I, I actually think this song is maybe more powerful for someone who's not quite like who's not maybe physically dead, but mm-hmm. you know that you lost the essence of that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're gone forever. Yeah. I think that makes more sense in a shorter time frame than just mm-hmm. this person is dead, which it could be a response to too, but not in the short time frame. Um I also I, I want to give a quick shout out because she's not going to be at my MVP uh, <laughs> at the end of this, but Kristen Bell, oh, uh, yeah. like she does this song amazingly. And also watching the recording session in the documentary Ooh, and like yeah. okay. hearing from her, like um, I I've dealt with uh, depression for all my life. And Kristen Bell has also, um, and just hearing her being like talking about, the way that she identified with this song and, and the different things that it, that it brought out in her and then watching her like sobbing mm-hmm. <laughs> it, while recording it and in between takes it's, Oh man, it's just so good. And the lyrics to this song are so good. The performance is so good. And it just, it doesn't fit in the film or belong in the film, but boy, uh, it's good. That's, that's all. Mm-hmm. Are there other songs in this movie that you feel that way about? Yeah, all I mean, of the songs. <laughs> Everything. No, songs. I mean, Into the Unknown works. Yes. Oh, and I'd say the, boy, does it. The, um, some things never change. Like the mm-hmm. first song, it, I mean, it, it doesn't, uh, 
the movie that follows it is not super about like it is right. This flag will always fly. It actually works better if Arendelle is destroyed. But mm-hmm. I, it I get the first better one. if Arendelle is weirdly nationalistic, which it's not. Except yeah, for it's how that reads now, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I, yeah. I got to that moment and I said, I don't know how I feel about patriotism these days, and I don't know if I feel good about it in this movie either. But it's but also like they need to lean into it, though, right? Like if yeah, you if we're going to discover have... that it, this is built on you know, genocide mm-hmm. and colonialism, just like mm-hmm. our country. <laughs> like you need right. to establish a similar jingoism that our country has. Yeah. It can't just be this one bad man. Like uh, mm-hmm. there is not one bad man that ruined Arendelle's relationship with the indigenous North Aldrins or whatever. There is not one bad man that destroyed the country. It is a system. Of, uh, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> fine everything is fine this is fine everything's fine dog okay. sipping yeah. coffee in a fire room I, <laughs> let me let me ask is there anything um we need to 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 kind of is does is anyone want to make any last points before we kind of move on to our lightning round that usually lasts uh a half hour i think we'll be talking about music in the lightning round mm-hmm. if that's okay with you sarah yes i if, think that's yeah. a good segue all right great um great so this is the final cut. Whoa! Uh, a part of the show where we do a series of uh, yeah lightning round segments. So we'll start with scene shout out. Mm. Um, I don't know if anyone has a scene from either movie. Usually we do one scene per movie per host. Uh, we have three people today, but I don't think that's too many. Um, yeah, I'm I'm happy yeah. to start. Great. Um, I'm going to start and I'll start with, uh, Toy Story 2. Mm-hmm. Um, Toy Story 2 was a absolute surprise for me. I did not think I would care for it and I ended up really loving it. So that's great. Um, and there were a lot of like kind of silly references. There was like, um, there was some like good Star Trek, Star Wars references. And then there was obviously the Zerg being like, oh, I am your father. And it was like, you're being no. And it's like, okay, it's a little cheesy. <laughs> but they the the they validated that they 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 made that worthwhile with the very next scene where Buzz Lightyear and Zerg are having a catch and <laughs> connecting as father and son. Um, so like that that scene, uh, amazing. And, and I guess the scene right before that bit too, because I love the toys fighting. And just like shooting like Nerf balls at each other, but taking it very seriously. (laughs) I I find that really amusing. And I like in my brain, uh, Kate, when we were taking a walk earlier today, I was thinking like, because I've been thinking like, okay, Andy doesn't have any bad guy toys. But when I was a kid, you've got to have a bad guy toy for the good guy toy to fight. And (laughs) these buzzes. And these Zergs believe that they're Buzz and Zerg. Mm-hmm. So, like, if he has both of those toys, do they fight all the time? And if so, <laughs> is there a moment where they go, oh, we're not actually hurting each other? Or <laughs> or are they, like, so, like, um, like, into this mythology or whatever that, like, Buzz is like, ah, 
the reason he didn't kill me with his blaster that he hit me with is because I reinforced my armor. <laughs> and then Zerg's like, oh, you know, the reason he didn't kill me with this is because of this and this and this. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm. I, it's just like this little snippet <laughs> that I am. Uh, I just have so many questions about. And I really, I just, I want to see more of the toys that believe that they are the things <laughs> that they are. It'd be a good short yeah. series, yeah. Oh my god, right. I I really liked uh Factory Buzz in this movie. Really great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh well I have a frozen one if I can go should next. We, should oh, we do, do you want- Toy Story 2 first? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. We, we, do, you, we, do you have a Toy Story 2 one, Sarah? Mm, you could think about it think. more. Too, I'll think about it more. Yes, go with yours. So I, we already talked about when she loved me, which mm-hmm. um, <laughs> uh, I don't know if I, I I still think that's gonna be that's gonna be my scene shout out. Um, we, uh, we've talked about Randy Newman on this show before. We don't love him as a musical theater writer, <laughs> but I think the song is like it shows some potential of like if, again if he was coached by someone who knew that he could be really powerful because this scene, everything about it, right? The way that she even with the way that Jesse starts talking before the song, she's looking into this window and you're seeing her facial re- expressions only through the um, reflection in the window, mm. but her like head is turned away from Woody. And then, you know, you're seeing her in the song um, when she lived me playing with her, you know, her person and you're seeing you know, her room change, the uh, the human's room change, like teenager done with nail polish and music posters. Oh, yeah. And then you go to the oh, same so the same spot by the end of the song where they've been, you know, tire swinging before and it's their favorite park spot. And then she's just left there at the donation truck. And it's like just the song is like, what, two minutes long and like two of the scenes in the song are exactly the same. They're these mirror image of like her going to the park with her, but they end so differently. And the fact that it just packs so much of a punch and it doesn't feel contrived or, you know, like they're, uh, you know, it doesn't feel like they're reusing material. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just really good storytelling just and it's a good song too. I love the song. So, so good work. Everyone involved. (laughs) Absolutely. Though I will say every time, you say what 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 is the song called again? When she loved me. I, I just, think it's that, not when somebody loved me. That's the only When you line. when you say that in my head, my mind starts playing the song If I Can't Love Her from Beauty mm-hmm. and the Beast. <laughs> also a good song. Yeah, but different. <laughs> but different, yeah. <laughs> All right. Did that give you enough time to think, Sarah? Well, it can even be a small thing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it made me think more about my frozen two pick and and expand on my thought uh, rather than (laughs) digging into Toy Story 2. Um, But I think I think there's something with Toy Story 2 that they did really well with the Woody flashbacks to who Mm -hmm. he was that we were talking about how that's a new backstory. Right. We didn't know any of that. And I'm still very curious because we're told that Woody is a. Uh, family toy and so I don't does does Woody remember growing up with Andy's parents I don't that's know. one of the threads that I don't want to pull at too hard yeah yeah like, yeah it's but, like, know his backstory but first? Woody doesn't know his right exactly but but I think there's something about 
there's something really interesting about that joy that he gets from knowing who he is and mm. and that there's a deepening that op- like that and so that opens him to going to the museum and we can you know we could talk more in another podcast about whether as you kind of alluded to whether that's a good idea like Dick's d- gilded cage like probably not a great idea but it opens him up to a world beyond the life that he's had to know mm-hmm. that he has this whole other life and this whole other story and I think that that was really um, well done and funny at the same time like that you know you, you see that display of all the merch and you're like oh that's pixar having some fun at the fact that there (laughs) is all the merch yeah 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 absolutely i like that i love when um they're watching like what ends up being the last episode of the woody's roundup show and woody's just watching it like slack jawed he's so Mm -hmm. into it and is watching him enjoying it and mm-hmm. she's like yeah yeah isn't this the greatest like mm-hmm. I love a little moment yeah. yeah all right so Sarah are you ready with your frozen too? well I'm ready with my frozen and I think it's it's kind of a flip side now mm-hmm. we've already talked a little bit about the songs that don't fit and how Kristoff really doesn't need to be in this movie at all but <laughs> Lost in the Woods. Where this is going is, is a delightful song. It's a little too long. That's what I felt when I watched it. I was like, okay, we could we could have cut we could have cut a little bit of this. It's del- it's a delightful eight like eighties power ballad about you know his is it eighties is it seventies I don't I don't know my genres but it's a power ballad right about his his love for her and also like that she's left him and if we extend that metaphor truly that is the story of all the main characters in this movie, none of them know who they are anymore. None of them have their touchstones anymore. Maybe that's for the better because maybe they shouldn't be so codependent on each other. <laughs> but but Kristoff is not the only one who has like been following someone around and has lost who they are in the process. So despite being totally unnecessary, it somehow speaks to that message that maybe... Disney didn't even actually want us to have about this movie, but that we all felt and identified and it's Mm -hmm. hilarious. And now I want a follow-up song because clearly if that's the, we probably should break up. This is unhealthy song. He needs the getting over her song. Mm. He needs the comeback song so that we can go back to being happy Kristoff with his reindeer. That's (laughs) probably where he belongs. The singing reindeer in that song. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Delightful. Dick, Kate? Do you, oh, so <laughs> nope, all you. I can I can pivot because I'm gonna choose a one that's probably hard to argue that it's one of the better scenes in the movie. Cool. Are you prepared with something else? Kid, I'm ready. <laughs> all right. Into the unknown is so good. All of it, beginning to end, that song, like, she wakes up and she's going down the halls, like, talking to herself and talking to the voice, and she's going back and forth, like, and if I hear you, which I don't, which is also, like, we just use that line around the house because we love it's, the way I do. It's just prime, voice. It just, oh. it's prime Adina Menzel. Anytime she, like, just speaks a thing, it's, don't. Mm, mm. Um, and she's arguing back and forth, but, like, the chorus betrays that like she really is wanting something out there, even though she's protesting it and it's all given to you in the song. You don't have to guess at anything. <laughs> I guess it's like, you know, it's like 
the one scene in the movie where I don't have to be like, okay, wait, what's going on? Did I miss something? (laughs) Am I going to find out about this later? It's just all there for you in just purest form. And then that last shot where she's just belting and slides to the edge of that cliff with her arms Mm -hmm. spread open. It's just like, it's, you know, I mean, you know, I know parents have heard it like a thousand times a day for the last six years, but let it go is a phenomenal scene. And this is the, in terms of just visually and uh, emotionally, psychologically, like this is the let it go of this movie where it's just Mm -hmm. perfection from the beginning to the end. And it builds in this way that you're like, Oh, I'm so excited too to see what's next. And then, <laughs> and then you realize there's a drop-off point of what, uh, what the writer has planned for you. <laughs> it also has this like genius line that, that I, uh, that I just love in it where she's like, I've had my adventure. I don't need something new. So it's like telling you like, Hey, we know you've seen the first frozen, <laughs> but this one's going to be worth it. Like, like she's, she's like, like, it's kind of the filmmakers being like, no, we told that story. We don't need something new. Um, but I've got to, whatever, like, I've got to find out what happens if I follow you into the unknown. Mm -hmm. And it's, it really sets it up beautifully. Mm -hmm. So Kate, Dick I've, here's my scene shout out. It's one we've already talked about. Uh Um, Olaf retelling mm-hmm. the the story of Frozen. It's uh, one of the best things that happens. He like to to catch everyone up. Which okay, just real quick, you don't need to show mm-hmm. scenes of people hearing about the first movie. Like it's not necessary. I, I don't know why they invented this to solve that non problem. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like they were interested in answering questions that. We don't like the few questions that we don't have. <laughs> like, yeah. like, oh, uh, well, clearly these villagers would ask who's about Prince Hans. Yeah, like wh- he, he was nothing in the first movie. He's definitely nothing <laughs> in the second movie. But like, it's it's um, it's very funny, very like self aware, and um, watching non character. Uh, what's his name? Mattias. Uh, Sterling, Sterling K. Brown. Sterling character. K. Brown. Mm-hmm. Like that character is nothing, does nothing. He he's just kind of and there. he apparently had a song in one draft, and so you wonder what happened to, yeah. like, what was he supposed to be in terms of his role? Because it's yeah, but his reactions like interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and his reactions to this story are <laughs> what makes it because it's like, especially uh, you know. When Hans turns out to be evil, uh, Olaf's like, oh, no, I don't love you at all. And Maddie he just turns to Maddie's. He goes, what? <laughs> like, he's speaking for all of us. It's really nice. Yeah. Love it. So, yeah, I love that scene. Mm. All What's right. That? We got, what, MVPs? MVPs. So, okay, so this is a character, yeah. a creative, an entity that you think deserves a most valuable kind of player award for, and you just get one for both movies. Yeah. So, so I think there's one. an obvious choice. Go for it. It's, it's Olaf. We would have uh, so many more questions mm. if it weren't for Olaf. And we would have laughed so much less. 
Olaf's a great choice. We talk about like all the, you know, wasted opportunities and these characters that we love for development. And Olaf is the only one who kind of comes through as like, Mm -hmm. yeah, this is what I wanted Olaf to do in a second movie. Yeah. He grew. Nice. Mm -hmm. Right? The other characters didn't grow. Most of them regressed. Right. Olaf (laughs) did actually get older and more mature over the course of this movie. Uh, Dick, you got an MVP? Yeah. So I'm going to start by just listing some names and then tell you who my actual MVPs are. Great. All right. Lori Metcalf, Don Rickles, Kelsey Grammer, Joan Cusack, Jim Varney, Wallace Shawn, Annie Potts. Toy Story 2 has an amazing cast of people who should just be voice act. Like John Ratzenberger has found it. Right. He's like, oh, I'm a voice actor now. But like Wallace Shawn, uh, like his like Rex is my favorite character probably mm-hmm. in Toy Story. And he's great. Right. Um, I guess Jody Benson was already kind of a Disney thing. But like, yeah, Wayne Knight. Amazing. Uh, uh, everyone. Very, very good. So uh, my MVPs are joint. It is for casting directors, Mary Hidalgo <laughs> and Ruth Lambert. Yes. Uh, great job. Great job. Like perfect, perfect voice choices. And uh, Wayne Knight as the the bad guy who's like kind of stealing things and trying to get them overseas uh, <laughs> just felt very Jurassic Park, Yeah, it's uh, which made me super happy. So <laughs> there you go. Casting directors, uh, you don't get enough love. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to start my MVP with an honorable mention um, for Kristen Anderson Lopez and Bobby Lopez, who wrote. I just music. assumed that no. was going to be your MVP. No, because when I started wow. thinking about it, I didn't want to. Uh, OK, so here's why they're <laughs> honorable mention. The songs in this movie are like so good. They're really good. Even the ones that I don't like as much in the movie, I enjoy listening to on the soundtrack. And then to know that they like wrote songs for a whole different movie and all those songs are good too. It's like, they're just so good. And you watch this documentary and especially Kristen Anderson Lopez is kind of pushing back against like, okay, but show yourself needs to make sense. We need to know who is being revealed Mm -hmm. at the end of this. And they like, the director and writing team, because they're just crunched into this time, they kind of make a choice like, okay, it's the mom. And it's like, you just, you feel for the Lopez's because they obviously know that this movie is kind of falling apart and they're like offering all of these solutions and ideas and everyone's kind of taking a long time. And they're just like, guys, these decisions should have been made months ago. We can only kind of do first aid at this point. We can't solve all these problems. Mm -hmm. So I feel for them, but ultimately the team they were on was not super successful. So what I'm going to give my MVP to is the story team of Toy Story 2, mm. who in a similar span of time yeah. um, redeveloped this whole movie. I think nine months before release date, it had a similar thing where like the release date was set and they couldn't change it because it was so anticipated. And they like, it's only like five of them or something. And they like locked themselves in, the, you know, if this movie came out in November, they locked themselves in a house in like for a weekend in February, rewrote the whole story and then like animated it, did, did all the things in nine months. And it's a story that holds together, you know, and like has a message and 
it's not easy to do. Like, I think the Frozen 2 doc shows, as we already know, that animation is really, really hard because mm-hmm. once you have a story, it takes a while to get that on the screen and you can't really make changes. Mm-hmm. And um, if you don't have a story, it's even harder. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, under, like both of these movies could have probably benefited. I, I don't know about Toy Story 2 in terms of impact, but like they could have benefited from having a more flexible release date, being mm-hmm. uh, titles that no one was really waiting for. Mm-hmm. So they maybe had some more flexibility. Um, sometimes that works, like uh, Beauty and the Beast. Sometimes that doesn't work, like The Good Dinosaur of like uh, pushing up a release date. But, um, or The Lion King was pushed up. Not being, Kate, anyway. I wonder too, like, Maybe with Frozen 2, just too many cooks in the kitchen on such yeah. a short. Like, if you could say, if you could have said, Bobby and Kristen, go fix this plot for us. And they came back and they were like, here you go. Here's what should happen. And our songs fit it. Yeah. Maybe it would have worked. It's too many But you cooks can't do that. Sarah, like, the screenplay is just written by Jennifer Lee, the director. Mm-hmm. And, the, like, the main story credits are given to just five p- people. It's the two director, the two Lopez's, and one more person, which is a pretty small to standard think, story yeah. writing team in a movie. Yeah. They didn't have that many people. They just didn't have the ideas. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, then we'll have to do a whole other podcast someday where we rewrite Frozen 2. What story would you tell with the songs that you've been given? So yeah. Okay, hold on. I need to get. I need yep. to eat dinner at some point. Okay. Tonight. <laughs> so that's what let's, I said. A whole separate one. A whole we're separate do podcast. The crossover segment, and then we'll get into a little bit of that remake in the movie. Um, <laughs> if you were to take an element from each movie and cross them over, it could be characters, it could be creatives, it could be mm. themes or uh, scenes or whatever, um, and Smush them into one. Well, what would you do? A, a dick? Yeah, I'll start this off. Um, I, I I just want an Olaf toy to be in <laughs> Toy Story. I mm-hmm. yeah. I think I think he'd fit in there really really well. Um, he'd be like a fun character. It it seems like Forky is kind of like again yeah. we haven't seen Toy Story four, but uh-huh. Forky seems to be like a little. Of um the uh, uh an, like a naive innocent sort of thing mm-hmm. maybe, um but I think I think Olaf would fit really well in there. Uh, I would love him pestering Ham, uh, <laughs> and I think that'd just be a very fun combination. So there you go. That's my crossover. That's great. You stole mine, except for <laughs> I want to see the two. I want to see Olaf. Hanging out with Rex. Possibly going on like a buddy cop adventure. Uh. (laughs) But at the very least, I really want to see Olaf play the Buzz Lightyear game with Rex. Because I think they would just have the best time. But also, Olaf would probably drive Rex absolutely insane by the end of it. I think think Rex would put Olaf in like kid sister mode where he like gives him a controller that's not plugged in is like <laughs> no you're doing this thing <laughs> oh man kate what's yours i my mine is mine is structural i <laughs> yeah i was gonna say like yeah, yeah i tried to place. i tried to avoid talking more about the structure <laughs> yeah i mean so simply put like do the plot of Toy Story with the characters or Toy Story 2 with the characters from Frozen 2, right? Like mm-hmm. Elsa ends up 
not by her own will, will, in a place where she's learning more about her origin, like Ada Holland, like maybe she's trapped in Ada Holland. The characters go on a rescue mission and she says, no, I don't want to be rescued. And then it's unraveling that, right? Like, mm-hmm. and as I'm saying it, I'm like, oh yeah, maybe that's the simplest way to do <laughs> Frozen 2. Like just, right. just literally lift the plot of Toy Story 2 up and set it over. Oh, Absolutely. Because then the ending is the compromise, right? There's no villain in Frozen 2. I, I mean, except for grandfather. And I think that's fine. But the, the compromise at the end of everybody comes home together mm-hmm. would also work in this movie in a way that the ending where, yeah, they get together and play charades once in a while. But Elsa abdicates her throne and Anna Bridge. takes over. It doesn't really work for me. I like that. So that might actually be my answer, Dick, mm-hmm. for the, for our final, final cut, cut of <laughs> taking each of these movies. Would you today saying that maybe theaters were open or you get an audience on Disney Plus for them? <laughs> would you re-release each of these movies? Would you do some kind of special edition with them? Is like changing the movie or um, putting the movie in a different medium, say a video game or a theme park ride, um, or just tossing them in the vault um, with Song of the South and the like. And I think, I guess I'll go first for Frozen 2. I change it it so that it has the plot of Toy Story 2. I think there's a good movie out of some of the MacGuffins in here, but you have to transform them from MacGuffins to real... um, uh, things with things with emotional stakes. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I'll go with that for Frozen Two, um, <laughs> and for Toy Story Two. I mean, I feel like you could have a pretty sweet game or ride out of all of those locations that so they go to rescue him in. Is there already one over a re-release? Over I guess a re-release. We, we sorry, we did not make the stakes of this segment clear. Mm. Mm. Over Just like Frozen Two. <laughs> I don't, I don't know that I – I mean, it was fun to revisit it, but I don't know that I need to see it in theaters again. It is not a movie that in the middle of COVID-19 I would go to the movies for. I don't know that there's <laughs> any movie that I would – but but I don't know if, if my Disney Plus subscription that I steal from someone else – didn't say that – would uh, lapse. I would not re-up it to watch Toy Story 2 again. Okay. That's fair. Um, so I guess I'll finish out. I, I, yeah, I would re-release Toy Story Two. Would be the closest. I think it holds up really well. I think it works. Um, and I think, especially as we were talking about the trilogy, I really love it for its place in the trilogy of how it bridges the first. I think there are really awesome and unique things about each of these three movies. Again, not having seen four. Um, but yeah, I think it deserves to be seen. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I I just watched it, so I might not go to a theater for it now. But <laughs> yeah, that's the closest for me. Dick, uh, both of these movies, throw it out. Yeah, there. yeah, 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 yeah. You got it. You got it. Here we go. Okay, Toy Story two. Um, I the only thing I do for like a special edition on this is uh, nope, nothing. I, I re-release it. I love it. Um, there there was some. There were some like cheesy moments, but they didn't really bother me that much. Uh, Frozen Two uh, Special Edition. Uh, in order to watch this, this is the new version of Frozen Two. 
Um, it's an extended cut. It's the only one available, so you you cannot <laughs> you legally watch. You legally cannot watch uh, Frozen Two the way it was theatrically released. We do it like <laughs> like Star Wars. And here's the addition: it's the entire documentary and then the movie. So uh-huh. if you want to watch Frozen Two, you have to spend seven hours, and five of them are the documentary about the making of Frozen Two. Only I, if we have lots of food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got yeah, you got to be ready. I imagine the frozen creators might not argue you on that. <laughs> no, they <laughs> might be okay with that. Um, but sorry, Sarah, I did cut off your great idea of making Toy Story two into a video game. I feel like every scene works. Like, yeah, that would be really fun. There probably I mean, is. There probably is, but you know, or and an amusement park ride could kind of be fun too. You go through a giant uh, aisle of all Buzz Lightyears, and you know get chased around and you're in that little car with Barbie as your tour guide. You're pretty great. Aww. Yeah. This is a very kinetic movie, even mm-hmm. more so. Than the first. So it would lend itself well for that. Cool. Well, that, uh, are we, we, we did it. Oh man. I'm going to go to sleep now. We did it. We got <laughs> almost two hours and probably we talked about toy story for at least 10 minutes of those two hours. Oh, at least. I, I think we, we did brought it back several times. I think we did an okay job of trying to talk about toy story 2 instead of just complaining about frozen 2. <laughs> I'm proud of us. I feel again though, watch the documentary. I feel for all of the creative people involved. They all wanted to do more with it than was allotted. Yeah. yeah. And they didn't have the power to uh stop the train wreck in motion yeah but toy story 2 is great sarah thank you for being on with us thank you for inviting me it was great to talk to you and it was great to revisit these two very different sequels yeah (laughs) um uh sarah do you have anything to to plug i don't know like (laughs) i I don't i think think you can cut this part out i have (laughs) nothing to plug but uh but you know like hopefully everyone is staying safe and staying healthy and Mm. getting to watch all the things yeah this is a great time to watch all these movies uh dick do you have an animated movies podcast to plug (laughs) Uh, in terms of their social media podcast Wait, do you mean the one we're on? Yes, I do. Okay, yeah. But also, I want to plug um, Wearing Masks. Yeah. Uh, and what else? Oh, oh, I, I've been doing this new thing um, that I've really enjoyed. Uh, so I want to plug Staying Off of Twitter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at, at least at least until you've had, like, coffee and breakfast. Because uh, every morning that I wake up and look at Twitter, I'm angry at the world. For mm-hmm. way too much of my day, so uh, yeah, just stay off, just stay off Twitter. I'd like Dick, to plug that. Dick, if they, if people were just going to follow one mm-hmm. account on Twitter that wouldn't upset them, it would just mm-hmm. make them really happy. What would that account be? I guess like David Hanemeyer Hansen. All he right. developed <laughs> uh, the language Ruby, uh, and he's also like a really big advocate for like uh, you know the forty hour work week and mm-hmm. and uh, not. Oh, wait, you You can find us on Twitter at (laughs) Cellmates Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Cellmates Podcast. You can find us on email at cellmatespodcast at gmail.com. Also, we have a website. 
Uh, for yeah, some like podcast. Oh. Yeah. So if you if you like us uh, see a movie and then talk about it two hours afterward uh, <laughs> and want us to talk about it two more hours, um, give us suggestions for movie pairings or single movies that you would like to uh, like us to pair something with. Um, yeah. We're open to all suggestions. We've gotten a lot of great ones from listeners and just from our friends of like, we need to talk about Frozen 2 more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so now go ahead and do what you were going to do, Dick. Uh, for some of podcast I've decored. I am Kate Phillips, and thank you, Sarah Evans. Yay. Bye. Bye. Podcast. Oh my gosh, I forgot. Um. Speaking of how show yourself is confusing, yes, I was talking about it with fourth graders at my school because uh, they were saying how much they love the music, but I was saying that I had a lot of questions, especially about the voice. And one fourth grader just says, oh, yeah, I can't believe it was the lizard the whole time. <laughs> and I thought, I mean, I said out loud, what? <laughs> like, that's how unclear this text is about everything in the movie like i couldn't even say like what made you say that i'm like you know what that's as as strong of a read as anything else i don't know what to tell you kid